0: It's great to be with you guys. Uh, my name is Brian, and uh, I'm part of uh, normally part of the South Bay Church down. I live down in Torrance. We meet over in uh, Redondo Beach, uh, one of the sister congregations of the Greater Long Beach Church here. If you're visiting with us, great to have you here. And uh, I always love getting to come here. Love the energy. Love the, the uh, just the friendships that we I have with uh, so many of you. And it's always a, a blast to get to worship with you. I appreciate the worship team. They put so much time and energy uh, volunteering and to make it awesome for you. So let's uh, let's appreciate the worship team for what they do. Uh, If you're visiting with us today, uh, we just started a new uh, worship series last week called "Love Works," and uh, is this clicker not working? There we go. "Love Works," Uh, and uh, this is based on a book. How many of you guys have seen the the show "Undercover Boss"? A few of you have seen that. Okay. So uh, one of the shows featured a guy named Joel Mamby, uh, the, the CEO of a, of a company that um, manages a lot of the top uh, theme parks across America. And uh, he was uh, on the show, if you don't know, the, the, the boss, the CEO or whatever, goes undercover and kind of hangs out with their employees and sees what life is like. And a lot of times it's because they want to try to um, uh, make the company more efficient. They want to decrease waste. Things like that. But with Joel Mamby, it was like he was he was becoming uh, kind of a bottom level employee because he wanted life to be better for those employees. And he seemed to genuinely care about these people. And it, and it caused uh, such a stir. Uh, people wanted to know so much more about his company. He wrote a book called Love Works. And uh, Joel Mamby is a professing Christian. And this is a quote unquote, this company kind of tries to put quote unquote Christian values into the workplace. So it's really interesting. So uh, several of us read the book and we thought this would make a great worship series where uh, we talk about how do, how do these uh, principles that you find in the Bible described in 1 Corinthians 13 about love, how does this apply to our daily lives? So we're ordering a bunch of copies of the book if you'd like to, to read it, especially if you're in management uh, at your job or if you own a company or something like that. It's, a, it's really great in terms of how do I be a Christian at the workplace? Uh, so, uh, but we thought it'd be fun with this series as well to watch that particular episode of Undercover Boss that Joel Manby was in. Of course, each episode is like an hour long, so we didn't want to watch it all at once. So we're watching a little bit every week. So I understand you watched the intro last week. We're going to watch the next part this week where he interacts with the first of, uh, of the employees that he's going to interact with. So I'm going to, uh, we'll cue that up on the screen and then we'll continue on with the lesson.
1: The CEO of America's largest family-owned theme park company poses as a new recruit.
0: Oh, you're a rookie? Yes.
1: I am a rookie. <laughs> okay. Hold on. The boss will trade in his executive office and expense account for a beard, some boots, and a quacker. No quacker, no ride. I'm
2: here at Stone Mountain Park in Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia's number one attraction. And I specifically wanted to see the Ride the Duck operation. It's very important because it's about 5% of our revenue. The duck captain is not part of the experience, he is the experience. He's the one person interacting with the guest that makes it or breaks it. So it's really important to me to see how they perform.
1: Hey, how are you? Pretty good? Gotcha. This is, is uniform. Red shoes, red there to your right. All righty, okay, ready away no when you get back. All righty, thank you. Now this is the duck. This is an amphibious machine used in World War II Captain Howard. Yes, sir, boss. Now this is Captain Howard, better known as Tiny. Captain Howard. this Hi, is John. Howard. And John. He's gonna be on our staff here. Nice to meet you. Is he funny? That's the question. Yeah, that's the question. We'll see. I think I need to learn from you. Okay, well, come on. I'm going to show, show you a couple things. This is the cockpit, as we like to call it. This is your place of business. Uh, you've got three main responsibilities. You're going to drive this duck, you're going to talk to people, and you're going to play some music for them. It's all about jokes and having fun. Unlike the normal tours that you would go on, this is more of a show. Okay. I want to see really how you interact with the kids. Okay. Follow my lead, and you'll see okay. how I do it. Like I said, for me, it's the fun of the show that's gonna make them happy. So, but I'm gonna show you how this goes down. Should we do it? Are you ready? Three o'clock, duck! Hey, Hey, how you doing? Let me take your ticket, what's your name? Clara. May I have your ticket, please?
2: What's your name? Colette. Colette, oh, I love that name.
3: I'm
1: ready to go. Make sure you guys get a quacker as you get on the duck, all right? Everybody gets a quacker. No quacker, no ride. This is where you're gonna get a chance to see what I do. Okay. You gotta watch what I'm doing here. This is All some serious right. stuff here, okay? All right. All right, folks, little fella coming through. Yeah. Right here in the middle of the door. All right. Excuse me, guys. Pardon me. All right. Hey, folks, this is a ducky cleaning. All right, okay. Let's try to I get this thing started here, guys. All right. I want you guys to go right over to your left here, and also am so going to introduce the mountain to everybody.
2: Oh yeah! So Does know everybody what? know about the mountain? Yeah. Well, it is a hundred. Would you hundred feet wide? It's a hundred feet high. hundred feet high. hundred and ninety feet wide. It's sixty feet deep. I know you're planning
1: now. Let me just explain real quick. The mountain itself actually spreads over five miles, guys. Five miles around. Wow. So, all right. And uh, from top to bottom, 832 feet from bottom to top, all right? The mountain itself is actually in the Guinness Book of World Records. It's the largest piece of exposed granite in the whole entire world. Wow. Right there, that's what we're looking at, all right, guys Are you All right, y'all ready to go into the water, All right, guys, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. As I get around this corner, I'm going to get this duck going about 90 miles an hour. We're going to hit that water. We're going to slide across the other side. How's that sound to y'all? Don't worry about it, folks. You'll all be fine and simple. I have a rotation device. All right, guys. Please put your hands in the air guys. Alright guys, everybody say, Go captain go! Go captain go! That was
2: fun, Howard was just a blast. It's such a rare talent. I mean he is really into what he does.
1: I need a volunteer. Who's going to be my first volunteer? How about All a, right. On, hey, guy. Have a seat, guy. I'm going to turn this thing around and start heading back to the other way. Are you ready? Here we go. You're driving. You're in control. Go, Captain.
2: Go. He kind of becomes a kid.
1: All right. Let's, let's give a it. hand to Captain Howard for getting us
2: safe. How he kind of acts and the faces and how he looks at him. And... All right, Captain This was just a lot of fun. The kids were really having fun. We have other ride-the-duck locations. just made me wonder if if he's ever seen other tours or if other captains from other markets have ever come here because I think they can really learn something from each other. Coming up, Joel comes
1: face-to-face with an employee who's gunning for his job.
0: I would like to be the CEO of
2: Persian Properties. Who's in that job now? Joel Manby is our CEO.
0: All right, so that's going to be fun to keep watching that every week. So uh, with this series, we're kind of jumping around a little bit in 1 Corinthians 13 with these different principles that, uh, that you see there. Love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, does not proud. If, you, if you're a Christian, you, you know this verse. And you know, this is one of the most not-obeyed verses in the Bible, isn't it? It's pretty hard, if you really think about each one of these principles, to really put those into, into, into practice. And uh, so last week, uh, we talked about being patient And we're jumping around a little bit. This week, we're going to skip down to trusting. Uh, Trusting, place confidence in someone. What does it mean to trust? Are you a trusting person? You know, the answer is probably it depends, right? (laughs) Who do you want me to trust? I know myself, I feel like I'm a bit of a gullible person by nature. And so, you know, don't ask me to sit through a a sales pitch for a, for a, a travel A thing, or you know, a timeshare, or a fancy vacuum cleaner, or whatever. Because I just feel like I'm weak. I can't handle it. I might accidentally sign. You're right. Uh, And so it's kind of a lack of not being trusting and being gullible. I'm like, please don't. Even the guy at the at the at at my door trying to sell me magazines for his school football program or something. I'm like, please, please talk to my wife. You know, because I'm afraid of those guys. Because uh. it's like, I, I, I'm afraid I'm going to get taken. Have you ever been, uh, uh, trusted someone and then been burned by it? Probably most of us have had that kind of experience. Um, when I was uh, newly wed, we had a, a, you know, this other couple that was best friends of ours, and we hung out a, a lot, all the time, and it's kind of fun, uh, once you get married, uh, you know, in, in our church, if you're visiting with us, we really try to be pure in our dating relationships, which is awesome. So we try to follow certain guidelines, like not hanging out after midnight together, not trying to be alone together much, and things like that. And so it's so cool because when you're married, it's like you can do whatever you want, right? So uh, we we got married, and this other couple got married, and so we would even do sleepovers sometimes, where we'd sleep over on the, you know in their living room, they'd sleep over in our house, just because we could now, because we're married now, <laughs> you know. And uh, but it was one of those nights. It's a late night. We're watching TV. And uh, we're at their, apart- you know, their apartment in Long Beach, and uh, I was watching something kind of engrossed, and, and he goes, he walks up to me with a spoon, and he says, "Hey, you want some almond roca?" And I'm like, "Sure, I'll, you know, whatever." And so I'm kind of watching the TV, and I, I grab this piece of almond roca and I put it in my mouth, and then suddenly he starts screaming. He's like, "Don't eat it! Don't eat it! Don't eat it!" And what he had done was he had taken the scooper from the kitty litter thing with with some poop that was covered in kitty litter. So it looked exactly like Almond Roca. And he thought it looked so much like Almond Roca, he thought, hey, this is funny. So he he was just playing a joke, and he thought I was in on it, and I realized, because it's, you know, it was the spatula thing for cleaning the the poop. But I'm watching TV show, I'm, you know, I, I'm not, I'm a guy, right? You're watching TV, it's just like. So I have had cat poop in my mouth. Now, thankfully, I did not bite down. I spit it out immediately. But, you know, I was a little bit burned by trusting my friend in that moment. I should have not trusted him and his uh, offer for almond roca. But uh, but the Bible does say in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love always trusts. Love always trusts. We could all grow more in our love. We could all grow more in our trust and what it means to place confidence in someone. So in the book, Love Works, he talks about in the workplace trusting people and being willing to delegate to people, being willing to not micromanage people, uh, just, just being willing to, and, and if you think about it, if you've ever been in the workplace and someone trusts you, how does it make you feel? What does it produce in you? You wanna do a great job, right? You, you feel like, oh, it, it makes you kinda sit up in your seat a little bit, it makes you stand up straight, okay, I wanna do a great job, I, I'm trusted here. And uh, uh, you wanna kinda rise to the occasion, right? If somebody doesn't trust you in the workplace, how does that make you feel? You know, you, you feel like, why try, you know? I'm just going to kind of barely kind of go through the motions. Uh, you know, if you're a Christian, you wrestle with that because the Bible says do everything as though doing it for the Lord. So, okay, well, I'll do it for God then. But, I, you know, when you don't feel trusted, it's not very motivating at all. So the book talks about in the workplace really trusting people and, and exhibiting trust. Uh, and it, it talks. it's interesting. It talks about how interrupting people is a lack of trust, and failing to listen to someone is a lack of trust, and I've never really thought about that before, that if you interrupt somebody, it's, it's because you don't trust them, and you, you think, oh, well, what they have to say, I already know, or whatever, and you know, you're know, you not trusting them even enough to give them the floor to, to keep speaking, and practicing good speaking really comes from, practicing good listening, rather, comes from good trust, and I thought that was an interesting uh, an, an interesting aspect I haven't th- thought about, and that's a real nugget, you know, with your spouse, with your roommate, uh, with your coworkers, even with your kids, to show, showing good listening skills is a way of trusting. Because sometimes in our hearts we might say something like this uh, clip right here. Oh, come on. We need some audio. Ready?
3: I'm not listening to you. You're crazy.
0: Yeah, we might not say that overtly, but... In our hearts, I'm not listening to you. You're crazy. It's funny how, uh, I, it, might, it might be because I have a 14 year old boy, but every day there's one Nacho Libre quote or another that, uh, that fits, fits the, the occasion. All right, so let's get back up, uh, let's get back into this topic of trust. Let's look into the Bible a little bit. Uh, let's see what the Bible has to say. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Another uh, Nacho Libre quote. Uh, first point, we trust God. And this is a starting point. This is kind of foundational. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because it's so foundational. This is basically the story of the Bible is uh, putting our trust in God. And uh, trust in people really starts with trust in God. And there's this verse in the Bible that says, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those Who earnestly seek him. So that's the starting point. You can't please God. You can't can't even enter into the 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 whole idea of being a Christian if if you you don't start from a position of trust that you believe in God. And you might be here today going, you know, I don't think I trust God. I I don't trust God. And that's okay. You know, you got to be honest with where you where your starting point is, and and talk about that. Uh, Work on that. Work on developing trust in God. There's nothing that will build your trust in God like reading the Bible beginning to pray to him, and then just growing that relationship with him. And I promise you, you will gain a, a position of trust. On a real practical level, if you want to gain faith and, in, in trusting God, if you, if you have a lot of questions, I, I would encourage uh, you to read a book called The Case for Christ. It's a great book about just uh, foundational trust issues, how you can trust God because Jesus really rose from the dead. There really was a historical figure named Jesus, and he really rose from the dead. There, it's even on Netflix, there's a, a movie, a video called The Case for Christ, uh, but we're going to k- kind of move on from there. Uh, before, before I move on from trusting God, uh, how this becomes practical is in those times where y- you, your trust in people has been eroded. And you kind of feel like there's nobody you can trust. Uh, one of my friends was going through a time like this, and his faith had really been shaken. And uh, he, was, he was having a hard time even with people in the church. And he, he told me, Brian, I just feel like right now I can't trust people because he'd been hurt. And there are those moments where you you feel that way. And and it was so uh, reassuring to him to be able to say, you know what, bro, you're right. You can't trust people right now, but you can trust God. Look look at your life from this point back, and look what God has done. And and that will build your trust in God. You can trust God. God's going to get you through this. God has a bigger plan. God sees beyond. And that helped him to be able to then put trust in people. And we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. So we trust God, that's the starting point. But check this out, God trusts us. God trusts us. Look at this verse in Luke 22. You can turn over there in your Bible or your iPad or your iPhone or whatever uh, you got there, your Android. And uh, in Luke 22, I'll put it on the screen as well. Jesus said this to his, his closest followers. He said, you are those who've stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I confer on you a kingdom. Confer might be a word you don't use often. It means that, excuse me, I pass on to you. I'm, I'm passing this on to you. My God, my father gave me a kingdom, and I'm passing that kingdom on to you. Now that's really amazing if you think about who these men were and how messed up they were. And who they were. They were just ordinary nobodies. There was a fisherman there. There was a tax collector there who everybody hated the tax collectors there. There was a zealot there who was, it was basically like a terrorist. I mean, It was a hodgepodge of guys and he says, I'm, I'm passing the kingdom of God on to you. What a way of exhibiting trust. And if anybody knows the context of this verse in Luke 22, what was happening at that time, it was the Last Supper. And right before this, uh, here's what it says in, in Luke 22. Uh, right before this, it says, A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. So Jesus is about to go to his death on the cross. They're arguing about who's better. Who's the greatest? And, uh, and, and, and in that context, Jesus says, I trust you. I'm conferring on you a kingdom. I'm passing on to you what my father passed on to me. God trusts us. It's not just just Jesus' plan for his immediate followers. It's his plan for everyone. A little bit later, after he raises from the dead, before he passes on into heaven, he says this. And if you've been around a while, you know this verse really well. Matthew 28, right at the end of Matthew there, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey... Everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So again, Jesus is passing something on. He says, I receive from the Father, I pass it on to you. Now you pass it on to others, and you teach them to pass it on to others, and you teach them to pass it on to others. This is Jesus' plan to change the world. And it's really all about trust. It's that God trusts people to work his plan. Isn't that amazing that God trusts people? Jesus didn't write a book. He didn't uh, come in our time where he could set, establish a, a, uh, a TV network or a, a website or kind of go directly to the masses. He chose some ordinary nobodies, and he trusted them. And he said, now I want you to pass that on to others and pass that on to others. And it's all about trust. God trusts us. He's given us the kingdom. He's working through People, and what if we really followed his plan? What if we really trusted God and others enough to allow ourselves to be trained, like this verse talked about, and then we really worked on passing that on to others? That's the key to changing the world. Seeing it, sharing in it, and passing it on. That's so humbling because we know us, right? If you think about yourself, you know, wow, I'm a mess. I I don't deserve to be trusted by God. I don't deserve to be chosen by God. And yet that's really the case. Look what, uh, this, what what Paul said. And, and Corinth was a church with all kinds of problems. And yet, and Paul deals with the problems. He talks about the problems. He addresses the problems. But he says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. So who are we in that verse? We're the foolish, we're the weak, we're the lowly, we're the despised, we're the not. And you know what? That's okay because God trusts us and God's given us an amazing responsibility to to help people, to do his work, to change the world. And and, and that, I don't know about you, but that's motivating and inspiring. Just like I talked about, if you're in the workplace and you have somebody who trusts you, it makes you kind of sit up in your seat and go, wow, you know, you should feel today. Wow, that's amazing. God wants to use me because every one of us has a reason to say, to to argue with that. Oh, God can't use me, right? To write ourselves off. Or is that just me? Are you with me? We all can make excuses. And yet, if you really believe God's chosen you, as you sit in your seat today, God has chosen you as a plan for you. It's motivating. It's inspiring. It's humbling that God trusts us, that God wants to use us, even though we're foolish and weak and lowly and despised and not. God wants us. Paul said this in, in Romans 15, I'm convinced, my brothers and sisters, you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, competent to instruct one another. So God trusts us. We trust God. God trusts us. So because of that, we've got to trust others. We must trust others because that's the way this whole thing works. The whole thing works through trust. Trust is the connection. And that's the one thing I want you to take away today is trust connects us trust is what connects us we trust God God trusts us so we must trust others and that's what brings the connections that that we have with one another it's like um, this this uh, picture I found going viral where one video you know somebody shares it and then they share it with more people and they share it with more people and that's how you have these videos with you know so many many hits on YouTube or whatever that's what they call going viral that's Jesus' plan to change the world, that he trusts us, and then we pass on what he's given us to others, and they pass it on, and they pass it on, and they pass it on, and that's the way that we change this whole planet. It's amazing that Jesus has a plan to transform culture, to transform all of humanity, to transform the whole globe, that it it, it supersedes any religion or culture or or, or, or race or ethnicity or socioeconomic level, or any of that, that Jesus' plan can change the entire world if we, if we trust him and, and we trust others and, and we follow his plan. It's amazing. Uh, the action of putting trust in someone else is to entrust, to entrust. And there's this verse in 2 Timothy where Timothy said, uh, Paul says to Timothy, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others so you see again this passing on in this verse you see that uh paul is passing something on to timothy he says timothy i want you to trust that to reliable people and those reliable people will pass it on to others there's this see it and share in it and pass it on plan that's all about trust and just to give you back up and give you the background who paul was if, if you're a guest today and you don't know much about paul he was a uh, a religious leader in the, in the Jewish community. He was a Pharisee. And these were the, the most uh, conservative groups of, of, of Jews. And they, they were kind of the ones in, in charge. And, and uh, he was trained by the, the very most prestigious uh, rabbi you could have been trained by back in his time named Gamaliel. So he, you know, Paul was just top of his class, valedictorian type of guy, well-known in the Jewish community. And he hated Christians so if you're a guest today and you feel like oh, I don't really like Christians. Well, that's right, Paul hated Christians. But he came around because what happens is he's on his way to the city to, for the purpose of throwing Christians in, in jail, as he's on his way there, Jesus himself appears to him in a vision. He's struck with blindness. And he, he's forced to trust at that point. All of a sudden, everything he put his security in was wiped out. What he thought he, he thought he was serving God, and that, that's taken away. He, all of a sudden he has to just surrender and completely trust. And so he's he's struck with blindness where he has to be led by the hand into the city and and he's told to go to the house of this this other guy and this disciple and so he goes to this house and and he's got to trust there and then this guy Ananias comes to him and he's got to trust him and he has to trust. Uh Paul had been a guy that he 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 knew what was going on and and, and Jesus God took all that away and made him really learn to trust others. And so through Ananias, through Barnabas, through others in Paul's life, he became this awesome leader in the early church. And he planted these different churches. And uh, one of the places he was, was the city called Lystra. It was in what's now known as uh, Western Turkey. And uh, when he's there, he meets this guy named Timothy. And Timothy was a younger guy. His father was not a Christian. His, his mother and, and grandmother were. And uh, so he kind of you know, I don't know. We, we don't know how old he was when he became a Christian, but it was probably, you know, as a teen or something like that. And so he's a young guy, and, and, and he, Paul sees a lot of potential in the guy. So he calls him to go along with him. So Timothy leaves Lystra and he goes along with, with Paul on his missionary journeys. And uh, Paul, uh, Timothy's father was a Greek, and so he wasn't circumcised in the, in the, like the custom of Jews is to be circumcised. But since Paul was going and reaching out to Jews, he, he asked for Timothy to be circumcised so that he could be able to, to relate to the Jews. So that's a lot of trust right there, being willing to, 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 to be circumcised as an adult so that you could uh, reach out to the, to the Jewish community, even though you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. And that was one of the arguments in, in the new, uh, first century that you see in the New Testament. Uh, that took a lot of trust for Timothy. But, but Paul kept working with Timothy, kept working with Timothy to the point that a little bit later uh, when he when there, there was a need in Corinth, uh, you know, this city had had some problems, and Paul wanted to go there himself, but he was not able to go there himself. And so he says this in, uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 4.17, uh, because he couldn't go himself, he says, For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son who I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. And it, a little bit before Earlier in this verse, he's telling the Corinthians, I want you to imitate me. So what I'm doing is sending Timothy to you, because he'll remind you of me. So they had developed so much trust in their relationship, such a partnership, that Paul was able to send Timothy as a, as a representation of himself. That's, that, that's an amazing thing, you know. I would feel super trusted by Timothy. Here I am going to Corinth. I, Paul can't go himself, but he sent me. And here I am to be Paul for the Corinthians. That's pretty cool, isn't it, to have that level of trust that, that somebody shows in you. And it, again, it makes you want to pass it on. And so in that earlier verse, Paul is telling Timothy, who's now in Ephesus, he's reminding Timothy, the things you heard me say, entrust those to reliable people, and those they'll entrust it to others, and, and it keeps getting passed on. Because of trust, people's lives are changed, and, and, and God's work is moved forward. Uh, You know, just an example of this, personally, I've I've been trying to work on on training worship leaders and and working with different people, and there's a lot of different different men I've gotten to work with and and interact with, and, and, uh, you know, I'm always looking to train others. I'm not very good at that, uh, but I'm trying to grow in that, really training people, and it was really encouraging Uh, about a year ago when there was a need for someone to to go to do this conference, and they asked me to go, and I was like, "I, I don't think I can go, but let me send Daniel Luna, can Daniel Luna go for me and actually, he was way better than me because this was a in, in Latin America, so it was a it was a Spanish conference and uh, he speaks Spanish and I don't so you know it was awesome to be able to feel like I have complete trust in him he'll do a much better job than me and so I'm going to send him and he did a phenomenal job and you know that th- that was enc- super encouraging to be able to have somebody to send and it just ma- it made me think I've got to have so many more people that I'm investing in that I can trust to invest in others, and, and that's God's plan to, to, to get his work done. Trusting others is not easy. And I'm going to show a demonstration right now. There's a few brothers are going to help me out here with this demonstration called a trust fall. Trusting others is not easy. All right, so here's our victim here. He's going to show us what it means to trust. So he's going to turn around without looking. And when you're ready, bro, when he's ready, he's going to fall back, trusting that these brothers will catch him.
3: All right. Good job, bro.
0: Good job. That was awesome. That was awesome. You know, there is that moment. I don't know if you saw, were able to see it, but he crossed himself as he was... Uh, you know, there's that moment where, wow, I, I have to let go of control. And so trust, it's a scary thing, right? Because we are letting go control. And I don't know about you, but this is hard for me because uh, I want to control everything. And yet God, I feel like God's been teaching me this the last few years, that he'll push me to a point where I'm just desperate and i there's nothing I can do. And it's kind of a, a surrender, I call it a surrender point. It's a It's a point where you just go, okay, Lord, I give up, you know, and you kind of put your hands in the air. Sometimes I do that when I'm worshiping God, like I put my hands up, I'm worshiping, but I'm also going, I surrender (laughs) because there's nothing. It's like, okay, I give up and, and, and I, I just got to trust you. I got to trust people in my life. You just kind of go help me. And you know what? It's great because I feel like that's when God really comes through. That's where God helps me to change the most. A lot of times are the, those points of surrender. And it's okay to not have all the answers. It's okay to not be able to control everything. It's okay to, to, to need other people, and that's, that's something that uh, is not valued in our society, really. You know, it's kind of an American thing that, hey, I can do everything all by myself. I'm free to do what I want any old time. You know, just That's kind of the American spirit, is I'm going to make it all by myself. I did it my way. I don't need anybody. But that's not what you see in the Bible, and that's not the community of believers. We are supposed to need people. We're supposed to need one another, and so we gotta be able to, to surrender. We gotta be able to, to give up a little bit of control and be willing to to fall like that. Uh, and uh, as we saw in that demonstration, just to get a little practical with this, what are some areas that we we just need to, to trust others in? What are some practical things that we need to trust others in? Well, the first thing I thought of, and you know, this is not an exhaustive list, but the good news, the gospel. If you're visiting with us, you hear that you've heard that word before, gospel just simply means the good news. And and this is the, the good news that God cares for each one of us. And, and because he cares for us so much, he himself became a human and he came down and he lived on this life. He lived a perfect life and he died on the cross for each one of us to pay the penalty for my sin, to pay the penalty for your sin, because we can't earn our way to heaven. So because of Jesus and because of what he did for us, we can put our trust in that, put our trust in Jesus' Uh, death on the cross for us and and put our faith in the fact that he rose from the dead and the tomb is still empty and 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 because of that i can be a new person and because of that god god has a plan for me and it doesn't matter that i sinned in this way and this way and this way and this way god was able to wipe all that away and give me a fresh slate and, and uh, acts two says if we repent of our sins and we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins all our sins are forgiven and we get the gift of the holy spirit that's all such good news and, and we've got to trust in that. We've got to trust in God's plan in our life. And, and uh, if, you're, if you're new to the fellowship and you don't know what it's all about, we have a, worship series, a, a, a study series that is designed to help you to kind of walk through the Bible and see what the Bible has to say about this plan of salvation and how you get right with God. And it's amazing because so many people claim to be Christians in, in the United States, and yet so few people really know what the Bible has to say. Even people that have gone to church for years and years and years and years, if you say, hey, can you show me in the Bible how to become a Christian, uh, they kind of give you a blank stare. Or, or And that's what, what we want to help help you to be able to understand is, is look at the Bible, open the Bible, and just talk about your life and and be able to, to have uh, that trust of God has a plan that I can trust. The gospel is something I can trust in. And the goal is that you would be able to trust someone else uh, to be able to to. to to sit down and open the Bible and and, and share their life and share your life and get open. And that's where real transformation takes place. You know, sometimes we're afraid as Christians of passing on the gospel because we think, you know, there's people that you want to share with, there's people you want to share the gospel with, but you're afraid of getting hurt. Maybe you've been hurt in the past uh, and you're afraid of knowing what it's going to take from your heart wise to give to this person, to help this person, to study with this person. And so we get guarded, we get afraid we feel like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to get hurt. And yet God trusts us with the gospel. We've got to be trustworthy and pass the gospel on. So that's something we got to show trust in. Another area is spiritual development. You know, if you are a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to be able to trust others in terms of talking about your life and how you're doing and what's going on and uh, being open with your life. Uh, trusting others to talk about, get help with your own sin you know, you're trusting someone else by saying, I want you to help me with this area of my life, this area of weakness or this area of temptation, exhibiting that trust by saying, hey, can I trust you to open up about this area of my life? And you know what happens is trust is, uh, it catches it catches on, right? It's, it's uh, I can't remember the word. What is it? Contagious. The word, <laughs> yeah, trust is contagious. You know, if you it's amazing, if you start having a talk with somebody, you say, hey, can I just tell you what I'm struggling with right now, and you start talking about what you're struggling with, what what's typically happens, the other person's like, oh yeah, I've been struggling with that same thing, or yeah, let me tell you what I'm struggling with, it's worse than you, or you know, whatever, uh, trust is contagious, and so just trust somebody enough to talk about your spiritual development, talk about what's going on, because that's really how we grow, God uses other people to help us grow, it's rare that uh, you know, a Bible just falls from heaven in, to somebody and, and then they get converted and then they're turned into Jesus. You know, it's, it, God uses other people in our lives to help us to grow. I really appreciate in this church, in this group, how much you guys have trusted Reuben and Marina. You know, Reuben and Marina are, are friends of ours. They're on, on staff and they came to lead this church uh, not too long ago. And, and uh, they have had nothing but just positive, positive, super fired up encouraging things to say about all of you they, they just felt so trusted by you to lead them and I really really appreciate that and uh, that makes such a huge difference I know a lot of that is led in, in part by uh, people like the Plymels and the Eads really them showing a lot of trust and we my wife and I've worked with both the Eads and the Plymels before and you know it's humbling when somebody who you really look up to says hey I want to be led by you you know I remember Brian and Karen coming over to our house and Brian say I really want to be deci- We want to be discipled by you guys, and you know we're like, no, 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 no. We want to be discipled by you guys, uh, and and uh, just just that level of trust that they really showed to us and, and have shown to to Ruben and Marina. I think that's amazing, and 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 you see it in this church. This is a healthy church because of that trust. You know, it really, it it really makes it, it. It the trust is what connects us. Uh, another thing, another area where we need to. Uh, trust others is helping out in the church there's a lot that needs to be done in the church you know what i'm saying there's a lot of things serving the poor uh, impacting the community getting the word out about church the internet ministry the worship ministry the children's ministry on and on and on there's all these areas that where, where more help is needed in the church and you know i i think as a church we should avoid the pareto principle anybody know what the pareto principle is It's the 80-20 rule. You've probably heard of the 80-20 rule. And the 80-20 rule says that, you know, in in a given situation, usually 20% is doing 80% of the work. You know, in sales, it's like 20% of your customers give you 80% of your revenue. And and, and so you can can get more sales by really focusing on that 20%. We don't want that in the church. You know, we don't want 20% of the church is doing 80% of the work. The Bible describes a mature church in Ephesians 4 being one where each part does its work, where everybody's pitching in. That's our goal, that every single person in this church would feel like they're invested, that they have a role, that they're serving in some way. And there's all kinds of opportunities to serve. If you if you aren't currently serving in some way and you don't know how to serve, just start asking people, hey, I'd like to serve more in the church. Can you tell me where... And you know, God is going to set you up. God is going to give you opportunities uh, if, if you really... Uh, if you really take opportunities. Um, those of us who have, some of us, now, th- this is a personal confession. I'm one of those people that I just end up doing way too many things. And that's a lack of trust. Because I'm not trusting others to-, to let them do it, right? I, re- I remember, you know, I've been in the ministry since uh, the year 2000. And uh, as a younger minister, I remember this one Sunday when uh, I was leading a, a church, and in- I was leading the South Bay church, and we had this. Uh, certain sunday we were kind of rolling out this uh some plans that we had for the church and so i had been up like a lot of the night working on this powerpoint with all these things that we were going to do in the church and i'm i'm getting to, to church and I, i'm i'm all stressed out because i've been up and I've, I've i've got my computer and i've got the projector and i've got because in those days we didn't use projection every sunday it was kind of a uh, a new thing for us so i've got the computer I've got the projector I've got these invitations that I had designed and printed I've got the cutting board to cut them cuz I didn't have time to cut them yet uh I've got like duct tape and extension cords and all this stuff and I'm getting to church I've got my guitar I'm getting to church I'm like what in the world am I doing You know what am I doing Brian's laughing cuz he knows that's exactly what I, I remember Brian one time saying we need to get you an assistant <laughs> you know, because and and really it's just a lack of trust I'm not trusting others to do all these things I'm trying to do too much myself instead of it's going to be way better if I pass it on and so I know there's a few of us here in the fellowship who we're just doing everything and and we're the ones that are you know we're constantly doing all that stuff and that's awesome I appreciate your hearts to serve and I was doing that stuff because I love God and I'm trying to do it out of a good heart I don't want to burden anybody else but you know what it's not a burden to serve everybody wants to serve right does everybody here want to serve raise your hand if you'd like to serve okay so everybody here pretty much if you didn't raise your hand amen you can keep working on that most everybody here wants to serve so if there's if you're doing too much look for somebody and pass it on right i went to this conference and they said if some this is going to sound kind of prideful but just process it here because some of us are prideful and we need help you know so so at this conference that it was for ministers and the guy who's leading it said if someone can do something at least 70 percent as good as you can pass it on to them and you know that sounds pretty prideful right but but that's what we think, though, is we think, well, but they won't do it as good as I will. And really, in fact, you know, they'll probably do it better. But so we just hold on to too many things instead of going, you know what, I'm going to pass off as much stuff as I can. Who else can serve? Who else can serve? And just in your small group, in your community, just be looking for people to pass things on to. This guy I was uh, reaching out to to become a Christian, a neighbor who started coming to church, uh, we needed somebody to do the information table. So he wasn't even a member of the church yet. I said, hey, can you do the information table for us every Sunday? And uh, he was, because he was really excited about the church and everything. I'm like, this is perfect because you're a new, new person. You're a new face. You, I just showed up here. Hey, can I meet you? And, and he's super outgoing. And so th- this is Brock Bengard. So he, he started manning our inf- information table before he even got baptized because I just thought, hey, let's give him a role. And then, you know, he's he stuck with us, right? <laughs> because he's got to show up every week. He's got to show up every week because he's got the information table. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about is Parenting parenting we got to put be willing to trust others with our parenting there's a, a lot of ways this comes into play i think as parents there's nothing that that gets at your emotions more than dealing with your kids right and that's god put that there you know that's a good thing god put that there that 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 you would uh really feel protective of your kids i remember the first time i really felt this was when my my son who's now 14 when he was 2 and he was in this jumper at a birthday party and this other kid who was maybe like 4 or 5 Kept pushing him down in the jumper. You know, he'd push him down, and my son would go flying, and another kid would push him down. I, I just remember the emotions that came over at me at that moment, and what I wanted to do to that five-year-old kid. Like I just wanted to just strangle him, or just nobody's looking and just shake him, or you know, just these emotions, because that's my son, you know. And so we can have those kinds of emotions if somebody wants to help us with our kid, and we can put up barriers. And, and so my wife and I, from the very beginning, we just said, we've got to not do that. And so with, with like with the children's ministry, we would always ask, how was he today? And oh, he's good. <laughs> you don't know, no, okay, wait. <laughs> you know, how was he really? What's really going on? We want to know. And my wife's so good at this, she'll say, I really want to know. I want help. I want help with with how he's doing. So tell me, please. And, and you know, there's always, there's always a reason. You want to make excuses. Well, he didn't have a nap. Or... He, he didn't get a good night's sleep because of this, or he's been sick, or this or whatever. And, you know, God knows those excuses. You know those excuses. They don't really help the situation. Just, just tell me what's going on with the kid and so I can help him, right? That, and so we've got to be willing to, to trust others and get help. Even if somebody is telling you something that is 60% wrong, we've got to have the maturity to go, okay, that's 60% wrong, but there's 40%. I, I really want to own that. I want to work on that. Rather than trying to disregard everything because part of it's wrong, you know what I'm saying? Having that level of trust uh, with our parenting, because that's that's everything we've learned good about parenting. We've learned from other parents in the church, and um, you know, my, my my uh, when when it comes to our kids getting older, you know, our oldest is 14 now. We have 14, 12, and nine. So I I realize I've got to let my kids have control. I've got to trust them. I've got to start passing on. Just like we're talking about what I received from the Lord, I passed on to you. I gotta pass on to them my faith. Not just make decisions for them, I gotta teach them how to make decisions. I gotta trust them enough to make decisions. Because you know, if you've got a teenager, you've heard this, you don't trust me. Don't you trust me? You know, if you're a teen parent, you know you've heard that. And the answer is no, I don't trust you. Because <laughs> I was once a teenager, you know? But but we've got to let go. We've got to let them make decisions. We've got to let them fail. We've got to let them fail even when they're young enough for it, the consequences not to be life-damaging because when they get older, the consequences become more and more and more life-damaging, and if they haven't learned the ability to make decisions for themselves, if they haven't been trusted to make the, the decisions, they're just going to go underground, and then you're going to deal with way bigger life consequences than when they're you know, pre-teenage or whatever and we're starting to pass on trust to them teach them how to make decisions rather than freaking out and trying to take control you know walk with them through it you be a, you know you, you shift from just controlling them completely to being a counselor and an advisor and a coach and, and going alongside and let me help you with this situation and keeping the dialogue open you know my my I grew up in the church and my my father it still blows me away you know as I look back the, the trust that he gave me and in some cases I I didn't treat that you know I I lied to my parents about things. I would say I was going one place and go somewhere else, or I I did things that were not right. I didn't deserve the trust that they gave me, but that trust helped me become a Christian. I would not have become a Christian if not for the trust that my parents gave me. And, uh, you know, I remember uh, we were... My dad was a minister for this church in Pueblo, kind of a small town, Pueblo, Colorado, and we were going to be moving to Denver, Colorado, a bigger city, because there was a new church starting there. And so, you know, I was... Uh, 15 years old, 16 years old, yeah, because I was driving now. So I was 16 years old. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm getting some interest in God. I, I, I was, uh, well, I'll save some some of the details, but anyway, my dad let me drive to Denver by myself with my car to go check out the church there and and hang out with a with a member of the Pueblo Church who'd moved up there for the weekend and go to the church there and whatever. And that was a huge amount of trust because it's a hundred miles and you know it's a different city and. And being able to, to drive by myself as a teenager to another city, boy, that's I, I look back and I go, wow, he let me do that, you know. And uh, and then after after I became a Christian, I got baptized. He let me go back to Pueblo to to visit one of my old friends, and you know, just these different things that my dad did, it made a huge impact in me and helped me become a Christian. It helped me take responsibility because I felt like my dad trusts me. And so, th- especially those of us whose parents uh, parents of teens teens or or kids who are kind of getting a little older, we got to really work on that, being willing to show trust to our kids. Uh, I'm going to close out here with talking about Jesus, and we're going to take communion together and talk about Jesus' trust in God. Turn over to Psalm 22, if you would. As you're turning there, I'm going to grab a microphone here and plug in my guitar. Psalm 22, Uh, this psalm was, uh, it's amazing, it was written a thousand years before Jesus by David, and uh, I don't know what David was going through specifically, you know, he must have been going through something, and you know, this is a song, so... David was a songwriter, and any good songwriter knows to use metaphor and simile and you know use uh not be super literal. You know, there's times David will say something like, uh, uh, I fell into a muddy pit and God lifted me out of it. You know, I don't think he actually fell into a pit of mud and got really dirty, and then somehow the you know, Holy Spirit lifted him out of a pit. He's talking in metaphor, right? And so he uses metaphor to, to explain what he's going through. And in this Particular psalm, he must have been going through a lot and feeling a lot, but the Holy Spirit used it in such a way that this became a prophecy for what Jesus would go through on the cross. And it's a prophecy that's so specific, it's amazing. It talks about how his hands and feet were pierced, and yet crucifixion wasn't even invented until hundreds of years later. It talks about uh, how people would cast lots for his clothing, and that's exactly what happened when Jesus was on the cross. It talks about people. Mocking him that you know as they walked by and, and saying things uh, that, that the people in fact a thousand years later said that exact thing that he trusts in God, let God rescue him and you know it's amazing how the Holy Spirit worked and uh, uh, he, it talks about him being thirsty and, and all these really specific things so but uh, the thing I want to focus on before we take communion is how Jesus trusted and how Jesus totally trusted God and I'm going to sing a song that's based on this uh this this psalm and so i encourage you just to to read along you know on this with the psalm the words will be on the screen excuse me you can also read through the psalm a little bit as as we meditate here for a minute as i sing the song the song is sung from the perspective of jesus on the cross but it's from these words psalm 22 which david wrote and uh it's called why have you forsaken me and so he's at this point where he's got to totally trust in god and he's going back to that trust and he's he reminds himself like for example it it says uh it it talks about how he had to trust him even in the womb even in the womb jesus had to trust verse 9 even at my mother's breast how jesus came into the world you know that the way jesus was born in a manger and and so humble and lowly that from the very beginning jesus had to trust in god and it was ultimately shown in the most uh huge way on the cross and so i'm going to say a prayer and then uh and then I'll I'll uh, I'll do this song. Actually I'll pray after the song for communion. Why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm.
3: you for me why so far from sake? You. You brought me out of my mother's womb. And now strong bulls are all around, roaring loud. i e gloat Divide my garments Play games for my clothes But I trust in you
0: thank you for what jesus went through on the cross and uh, just how uh, it was captured uh, so amazingly a thousand years before it even happened it just shows that it was part of your plan from the very beginning thank you that we can trust in you completely because of what jesus did on the cross and because he rose from the dead and god i pray that wherever we're at today uh, in our faith god that we would make that decision to completely trust in you and because we trust in you to trust others in our lives and who you've sent there to to help us to grow and I pray that uh, you bless this time right now as we reflect on what was done for us at Calvary. And thank you for this opportunity to remember his body and his blood in a physical way with the, the bread and the fruit of the vine that represents his body and blood. Thank you so much for the amazing God that you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.